Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. As always, it's Noor, and it's the first episode of the week, so I'm here with my brother. Hello, Verheel. Hello, Verheel. <laughs> Did you like how professional that was? You know, it always catches me off guard, because right before we start recording, you talk like the piece of garbage that you are, and then you go <laughs> into this, and it's all professional, and I don't know how to act. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel that way even about myself. Yeah. Even when I'm, even when I'm, because like as soon as we stop recording, this is this is the difference. Hey, I gotta, I gotta go get the kids. Like that's, <laughs> you know, there is nothing more off-putting to me than like the second you stop recording and then we have to have like a fifteen-second interaction <laughs> where we we just have to be ourselves. <laughs> and I'm like, oh god, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, like this is me on, and then. As soon as the, you know, the camera stopped rolling, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> go back to like my regular Eeyore self with my Eeyore face, just like, just like sagging, sad, resting bitch face. It's just a living imposter syndrome. Just, just constantly. Nonstop. 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 I mean, <laughs> have you seen that? Have you seen that clip of, um, it's this, uh, this comedian, I forgot her name, um, but it's like what an influencer looks like after they're done recording their influencer video. No. It's just like just like the double chin and just like the face going from like smiling to like just <laughs> your frown. Ever record? Yeah, just like just if you've ever recorded yourself on an Instagram video and you've let it play longer than like you accidentally kept it recording longer than you were on. It's a really big wake up call to yourself about the real like <laughs> fart face that you are. So, you know, I'm not on uh, on Instagram anymore, which I'd like to point out every chance I get because I, yeah, I feel like it impressive. makes me seem like it makes okay. me seem like a better person than I am. Like a serious person. Exactly. But the one thing I do like in some of those like clips, you know, where somebody's just talking to themselves and then they're like uh, cut or whatever mm-hmm. is like there's this like moment when you can see somebody reaching for the camera to like stop recording. But we that uh-huh. you know that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I find that so hilarious because they'll be talking about something serious and then they look away for like a tenth of a second. You can just see like the hand reaching out and then they start again. It's the funniest I hate, thing. I hate that. I'm like, just what are you doing? Why do you keep starting and stopping? Knock it yeah, off. Just record the whole thing. I don't know what that is, but it makes me laugh it. every time. It's a young person thing. 
So apparently there's this thing called millennial pause, which is that as soon as uh, like millennials on TikTok or social media or whatever, when they're about to make a video, as there's like a pause right before they start where they are like, hey, so and <laughs> <laughs> and that's they'll call the millennial pause. And Gen Z does a millennial shake, which is Gen Z will start recording as they're walking to the place where they need to sit down and record a thing. Yeah. So their phone is like shaking and moving around. It's great. The nuances of social media. And I send out emails for all my communications. That's how old I am. <laughs> if you could send a fax, you would. I would. Yeah. It would be much better. Speaking of how old you are, you had a, an exciting weekend. You turned 40. Uh, 40 days ago, 42 days ago, 43 mm -hmm. days ago. Yep. It's been a while. It's been a while, but you had an exciting weekend planned and I would love for you to tell everybody how poorly it went. Just how poorly it went. That's messed up. What? You know, the pain is still fresh. I know. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, but yes. just what the plan was and then what happened and all of that. So, yeah, so I turned 40 back in April, and it was Ramadan. So I knew that we couldn't get together. Now, I don't have a history of putting these things together. Like, I don't, you know, plan parties. I don't do stuff for myself. So it was something that I knew that I wanted to do for, like, a couple of months. And I started planning it, and I just put a lot of pressure on myself and my loved ones about making it happen. Mm -hmm. um, so I, my big plan was that, hey, I want to be as inclusive as possible to everybody. And everybody at this point uh, has families. Everybody has kids. So I was like, you know what? Let me let me go out of my way. Let's mm -hmm. do a beach day. Let's do mm -hmm. a beach day in Belmar, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. uh, I harassed you for months about the house. I kept yep. sending you links until we yep. found the perfect one. Yeah. Um, I found the perfect weekend, the, the weekend before Labor Day. Perfect. Yeah. Good weather. Yeah. Not yeah. no uh no sorry, not Labor Day, Memorial Day. Mm -hmm. No Memorial Day uh crazy rush traffic or whatever. Riff raff. And then I yeah. Riff raff, yeah. And then I sent uh I set it all up. I sent this crazy manifesto email that you advised me against. Yeah. But by the way, everyone other than you loved it, so you can go screw off. Um, yeah, but they're, and invite... they're not telling you the truth because they're not your family. Okay. Um, anyways, I think you're wrong on that. Anyways, um, so all of a sudden, this guest list, by the way, I didn't tell you. I was telling you like 30 adults. It was really going to be like 60 adults. I know, 60 I adults and like 25 kids, right? Yeah it, was, yeah, it was a wedding. It was a wedding. And then this week started, or last week started, and the weather was going to be shitty. Mm-hmm. So people started dropping out. And I was like, whatever, it's fine. We can just use the inside. Until mm -hmm. I showed up to the house on Friday night or Friday mm -hmm. evening. Mm -hmm. And I walked inside and I was like, oh, my God, this is not happening. Mm -hmm. There's no way that this is happening. And in that moment, I was like, well, that's that. That's the reason why you don't plan things. And that's the reason why you don't deserve anything. And I was just like, scrap it all. Fuck it all. The money's gone. Nobody. That's it. Nothing's happening. So I told you that. I told everybody that the party was canceled. I told, um, you know, and I was like, you know, I'll just sit here in this house that I rented by myself for the weekend and not do anything and just be depressed. <laughs> but you 
heroically stepped up, you big goon. You forced me into holding the party, but you said I will host it at my house, which you did on Saturday. Uh And you invited basically everybody that was still coming to your house. Uh And you you set up, uh, you made dinner, you Uh had games, Uh um, you made me do a speech, which I gave um, Uh and I was not prepared for. Uh Um, because so I'm like used to speaking in public because I have to speak for work. Right. So I'm pretty good at like bullshitting or whatever, but somehow in the middle of that speech, uh, some realness started to catch up with me and my fucking body just betrayed me. It just stopped functioning (laughs) and I got emotional. I was like, what the hell is going on? I don't want to be emotional. I don't think I cried, but I could, I just stopped speaking because I was all. Listen, I'm not playing the rest of that, but I just wanted to, the listeners, let's just play that, the beginning part again. I want to point out I'm going to make my ringtone. I want to point out that that was only because I saw the food in front of me and I saw the effort that went into it and I saw everyone in there. Also, you had invited a lot of strangers into your house for the first time. Yes. Which is always uncomfortable, but you I even them. invited people that you're friends with who I don't particularly like. No, the friends some that you say, hate. Some would, yeah, some would say I hate them. I loathe them. Yeah, and they were right there, staring yeah. back at me. Yep, looking at the food, making judgments. <laughs> Eating my food, using my bathroom, walking all over my house, sitting Looking at my, your husband. Looking at my husband. <laughs> I mean, come on. And uh, it was, um, I would say, uh, a very, very successful weekend for me. I know, like, so I've been kind of on a high from the actual birthday party. I don't know how you feel about the Mm -hmm. party if you, because you do this stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, you host parties all the time. Mm -hmm. This was, like, one of the few parties that I've actually technically hosted, even though I didn't host. But it was, Mm -hmm. you know, for me. And I've been on a high off off of it. So it it was amazing. Yeah. I feel like there has been so here's here's one thing you should know about like our childhood like when we were kids when we were kids and I thought about like when I think back to like oh birthdays from when we were children your birthday parties are like core memories in my mind they like, were great. I remember all of your birthday parties they were amazing yep my birthday parties always dog shit Non-existent. Non-existent. End of the summer. Always on a plane. They try to trick me into thinking that it was a my gift was that I was on a plane for my birthday. Never good. One year I went to Chuck E. Cheese the morning of our flight back from America to Saudi Arabia when we were visiting over the summer. And then our parents made me feel like they took me to fucking Disney World for my birthday. They were like, you should be grateful. And I was like, it was just me alone at Chuck E. Cheese before our flight. That sounds amazing. You got the skee-ball machine all to yourself. Come on. What more do you want? No, at like 10 a.m. It's a very sad experience, (laughs) even for like an eight-year-old. So I remember like my birthday is just being dog shit and your birthday is always being amazing. And so, but I think that there is uh, just a, so I feel like, 
I feel like if I had the exact same party as I did as we did this weekend for my birthday next year or like later on this year, I would have been mm-hmm. like, this was the worst party of my life. But for some reason, your fucking birthday is associated with very happy memories for me. Oh, wait, why would you say it's the worst weekend of your life if if we had the same party? For myself? Yeah. Because I don't want to cook that much for myself. <laughs> no, I mean, so let's say if somebody else does the work uh-huh. and you get to experience what I experience, would, uh-huh. would that not be like a great time? Yeah, but I don't think, okay, this is going to sound really sad. I don't think there's anybody in my life that would put in the amount of effort that I put into your birthday that, like, for me. That's so sad. That's so sad. First of all, that's not true. That is categorically untrue. Everybody loves you. Oh, no. People don't love me, Raheel. They're scared of me. There's a big difference. People like me because they're scared of making me mad, which is like a difference. People love you because you are delightful. People like me because they're a little bit scared of me. A little bit. A little bit. (laughs) I'd say it's the prime motivation for most people. Like you even say that my wedding was stressful to you because you were so terrified of making me angry during my wedding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, but it was stressful, but I had the time of my life. I had a great time. I was actually more riding high on Ambien and whatever else. I really was, yeah. I took (laughs) I took Ambien for the first time the night before your wedding and I slept until twelve (laughs) thirty. I woke up to seventeen missed calls from our parents because I was sleeping in a hotel and nobody knew where I was. (laughs) Yeah. That could never be me. But I um, I also had, like, a, uh, it was a very stressful, I don't know if it was stressful at our brother's wedding, but I think I was more scared at our brother's wedding, actually. Really? Because, because you were in charge. Oh. You were, yeah, you were the boss. <laughs> but I thought you had more fun at our brother's wedding because you knew I was going to just get shit done. Yeah, exactly. So I did, I did you know, it didn't, um, it was a little bit easier on that sense because I didn't have as much responsibility. I knew that. When, they, when it came time to it, like you would just kind of point me in the right direction and then just tell me to go fetch or whatever, right? So that was easy. <laughs> but like, if I, you know, like that activity, whatever activity that I had to do, I had to make sure that I was on point. Otherwise, I was going to get yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm glad you had a great birthday weekend and I'm glad you said nice things about me that I got to share on this podcast now forever recorded it's on record and everybody will hear it and maybe i'll be like roman roy one day i'll just listen to it over and over again yeah do you feel like i thanked you sufficiently do you want more thanks do you want more praise because like my friends were like oh my god no i'm a i'm a the the well of validation for me the external validation well for me is an it's an endless hole you could never thank me enough really (laughs) <laughs> I'm a monster. Like nothing is ever gonna be enough. <laughs> if because my friend hugged me more as a kid, maybe I wouldn't need this. But here we are. Maybe. Well, I thought you know because I was like, as I was saying it, I was like, you know, she really doesn't like public adulation. I thought oh that was god. a big thing, what? like compliments and stuff. Oh my god, I love compliments. Really? Oh my I god, I would have doubled yes. down more. No. So here's the thing about me. I love compliments about me. I don't know how to react when I get the compliment. I see. Like I recently in therapy talked about this. Um, 
which is that I went to my therapist and I said, hey, sometimes I ask my husband for a thing. And when he gives me that thing, when I receive it from him, I always say, well, you only did this because I asked you for it, right? Like It's not <laughs> genuine because you didn't actually mean it. You only did it because you you know that I asked for it, right? And my therapist was like, well, how do you react when he gives you something that you that you asked for? Like, for example, I say, hey, how do I look? And he says, you look nice. Yeah. And I go, you're only saying that because I asked you, right? It's not now. I don't, I must not actually look good because if I actually look good, you would have automatically complimented me without me having to prompt you for it, right? And so my ther- therapist was like, if you've been doing this for 15 years, do you think he wants to compliment you? Or do you think that if he compliments you, it's going to be like crumpled up like a piece of paper and thrown back in his face? And I was like, I thought you were my friend. Why are you talking to me this way? I don't understand. I thought I pay you the money and you tell me the things that I need to hear for myself. But anyway, she was right. She gave me the example of water. She's like, if you ask your husband, if you're thirsty, you ask your husband for a glass of water. He gives you the glass of water and then you take a sip and then you spit the glass of water back like the, the, the drink back into the glass of water and say, I think this might be poisoned. I was like, oh, my God. She was like, that's how you're reacting. And I was like, oh, no, I should just like say thank you. So I because because compliments, because like pride and admiration and affirmation are still a fairly new thing in my life. I realize I want it. I just don't know how to react to it like an adult because yeah. it's such a it's such a brand new thing. I feel like you're the same way. You also do you wanted to you wanted to drown yourself in that pool by yourself uh, in the beach I really because did. you were like, I don't want to have a party. I just want to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. I'm, I'm glad we can laugh about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm still wait, no, this this is a recent conversation that you've had with your therapist? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Two weeks you know. Ago. I don't know, man. Like, it, it's something about, like, you know, I'm 40 now. Like, that is, yeah. like, no questions about it, adult, right? Yeah, midlife. And midlife. Well, I mean, really, 75% there, right? <laughs> um, and I think about those things because in a lot of ways, I still feel immature, right? I feel immature yeah. in, in, like, how I, like, deal with people sometimes because I'm like, mm-hmm. I shouldn't be this needy. When I was growing up, adults didn't seem this needy. Right. Especially like our adults that, that we mm-hmm. they're all mm-hmm. like lazy or whatever. So. Yeah. So just getting used to that, like how to interact with people, how to like like how much this stuff actually matters. It just never entered my head. And now mm-hmm. I'm, it's like, OK, being like it's being a, being an adult isn't just about like bills and stuff like that. Right. It's also about how you interact with people and like yeah. how you are open about the stuff that you want. And like how to just deal with it. So, yeah, I mean, you're saying like we grew up with people who didn't need that, but we actually did because like they see adults especially are like, like pathetically giving like to strangers, like, Mm -hmm. like our parents, like somebody would be, we lived in Northwest New Jersey, like even getting into Manhattan was like an hour drive, just getting to Manhattan. And Mm -hmm. our parents would hear that somebody has like a layover at JFK for three hours. And our mom would spend like six hours cooking a meal for them, driving to JFK, spending 45 minutes with them and then driving back. Like, so you think about like, 
our parents didn't really they didn't feel needy like that is a needy act that's it was not selfless it was like I'm doing this because it's going to make this other person happy and they're going to like me more. Like our our parents were people pleasers. And if you think about like, well, they didn't seem like they needed that attention back. They did because if somebody was to come into town and then not call our parents, they would be like, oh, they must hate us. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, and if we, and like, because they didn't actually get the love and admiration or affirmation probably from themselves. Instead, they were just like kind of angry parents sometimes. So like yeah. that's, you know, that's that's where I saw it. And I, I don't want to do that to my kids. So that's why. Yeah, I no, you know, I think all of this stuff is it's complicated, right? I mean, you can only be the product of your environment um, to a certain degree. You know what I mean? So like yeah. for both of our parents, they had really, really rough childhoods. Yeah. So, you know, where, yeah. where would they learn that stuff? So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like they never as, got it. They never got it. It's a language nobody huh. spoke to them. So they didn't know how to speak it back. That's it's, it's what it is. But exactly. we recognize it more. So we're just like hopefully going to do something. I mean, I'm doing something. You're not doing anything about it. I'm doing nope. something about it because I go to therapy. But you just get sort of therapy through me. <laughs> <laughs> this is my therapy. <laughs> Once a week. Yes. Um. Anyway. As an aside, sorry, real yeah. quick. Yeah. JFK is not fucking local to New Jersey. If anybody is fucking planning a trip, JFK is not a local airport. Neither yeah. is LaGuardia. I can do Newark and I can yeah. do, what's the other one down south? Not Philly. Trenton. I'll do Trenton. I mean, it's a bus terminal, but still. <laughs> yeah. TBD if you get to your destination. Yeah, but- exactly. Um, no, I like that whole, I've told people like I, I, when I go to places, I never expect people to pick me up. I'm like, I will either rent a car or I will take an Uber because everybody works. Like there's no need for that. Like we're not waking up at four. I'm not going to make you wake up at four in the morning and drive to an airport. That's like two hours away to pick me up. I just think that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I shouldn't need to pack a sandwich to pick you up from the airport because yeah. I'm going to get hungry on the way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's not local. Honestly, just take Uber. There's cabs. Like, oh, yeah. God, I can't. I can't. Don't Our fly to JFK. We had a – yeah, don't fly to JFK. We had a, a pretty nice van, right? Our van was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had a town and country with a DVD player in the early oh, 2000s. Yeah. It was luxurious. Okay. Very, I think, did it have a GPS? It didn't have a GPS. It did. No, it did have a GPS. Yeah. It did have a GPS early on, right? It was like when cars first started getting GPSs. That's what ours had. It was really yeah. nice. Yeah. But our parents rode that bitch to the ground. Because <laughs> <laughs> it went to JFK so many times because they just had like somebody that my dad hadn't seen in like 45 years was like coming to JFK. My dad was like, we got to go get them from the airport. Why? <laughs> it was like somebody that he had met. Somebody that he had met's brother. That- <laughs> <laughs> somebody he knew 45 years ago's brother-in-law. Do you know I almost got into a car crash in that um, van on my way to my bachelorette party? You know the story. No, I don't. I was driving a minivan full of uh, bridesmaids and myself down to Atlantic City for my bachelorette party. And I was driving in the left lane and somebody was like parked in the shoulder. One of those like hidden shoulders, right? 
and they Mm -hmm. took a fast turn into the left lane and my car almost hit them. So then I had to swerve to the right. And if there was a car to my right lane, I would have crashed in it. We would have all been dead. It would have been a terribly tragic story. That would have been like made the news. Yeah. That would have been like the New York Post. Yeah. Yeah. You would have, you could have written a movie about it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. um, What happens after you die? Nothing happens. He's dead. (laughs) Do you think my par- our parents would have gotten the deposit back for like the wedding? So it was like a like a month before my wedding. I don't know if they would have gotten it back, but they would have wished that they had it back at least. <laughs> we got funeral expenses. <laughs> anyway, so dark. Um, I had a really interesting last few days with my kids that I wanted to oh. talk about. Sure. Parenting is really hard sometimes, man. Over the over like literally twenty four hours from like Sunday into Monday nine a.m., Aiden asked me four questions. He said, "What's the N word? What is faget? What is HIV? And did you know Chris from Mr. Beast is a girl now?" And I was like, <laughs> "Why are you asking me all these questions so early in the morning?" But I was really proud of myself for answering most of them fairly okay. But man, it is really hard because I like I wanted to know from you, like you had these kinds of questions, I'm sure, in your mind when you were nine years old. Mm. Well, not when I was nine. Well, when I was nine, we were in Saudi Arabia, right? So it's uh, it, what you get exposed to is drastically different, right? Well, like, you know um, about bad words and stuff. Yeah. So I remember our brother teaching me fuck. And teaching me suck. That sounds weird. (laughs) (laughs) Just the words. Just the words. Yeah, exactly. Not the action. Um, uh, I think around the time that I was six, right? He was three years older. I cannot believe that. Oh, yeah. And then he would tell me that this is the absolute worst word that you could say. Right? Okay. Um, And then my experience with it was just, you know, we used to just, uh, we, we knew not to say the F word in front of our parents. Mm-hmm. I used to say suck all the time. I used to say shit all the time and I'd get all giggy, like giggly about it. <laughs> um, the one thing that we had absolutely no uh, sense of, no interaction uh, w- with was homosexuality, right? Yeah. Et cetera, right? Yeah. The one thing I will say is I'm, you know, I want you to talk about how you, how you treated it, right? But I think the more impressive thing to me is that you have an environment where your son can openly ask you these questions because that is amazing. I don't, I can't imagine myself going to our mother and our father and asking, asking them that. And there's still a lot of parents that I see that are our age Mm -hmm. that don't have a hospitable environment like that, where kids feel comfortable asking that question because that's the way that it should be. Because Mm -hmm. like whether Aiden says it or not, Mm -hmm. he knows that, what he's asking is in some way loaded, right? Yeah. Like he knows that, hey, if I'm not saying the word, like the N-word, that mm-hmm. there's a reason why I'm not saying the N-word. And he still feels open enough to ask you that. And yeah. that's a really great thing, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's like we said, right? You know, our parents learned from whatever they had to learn from. But the fact that you have taken some of your experiences as a child and made it so that your kids are open enough to ask you is an amazing thing. And you should, you know, take a bow for that. Hey, thanks. Look at that. I took the compliment. 
Spit it out. I kind of want to jump out the window a little bit, <laughs> but I will take. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Man, so he, so I, it was like interesting. I was like, where did you hear all these things from? So first thing was the N-word. I was like, what do you know about it? And where did you hear about the N-word? Right? Because his thing was, what is the N-word? And I was like, oh God, like, what did somebody say it to him? Did he accidentally say it? Did like yes. one of his friends tell him like he can't say it? Like, well, but he watched a video because Mr. Beast is everybody. It's like, he's a cat's meow these days. The kids <laughs> love Mr. Beast. Okay. Yeah. And so he said, I saw a clip on YouTube and it said, has Mr. Beast ever said the N-word? And I was like, has he? And he was like, no, but I don't even know what the word is. So what is the N-word? I was like, oh boy. Yeah. First of all, what a piece of shit to put that video out. Like what kind of video is that? What is the purpose of that video? Yeah. Like it's like a YouTube short, like just, by the way, like I, this was not on regular kids YouTube because I don't let my kids watch kids, uh, adult YouTube, like regular YouTube. They only Mm -hmm. use YouTube kids. And I go in and I will occasionally like thumbs down a bunch of videos because I feel like they're stupid and I don't want them to come up anymore on their algorithm. So I've gone and (laughs) kind of control that a little bit, but occasionally when we're like out somewhere, he'll like grab Fahad's phone and he'll watch YouTube on that. And that's a regular mm-hmm. adult YouTube. And he knows not to watch certain things. He knows that if yeah. it starts to get aggressive, he has to change the video because he knows like that's not stuff that his parents are going to like. So it was a YouTube short, whatever. So he was like, what's the word? And I was like, okay, well, it was like the word. I spelled it for him. I spelled it with an ER. And I said, this is a word that, uh, racist and i was like do you know what a racist is and he was like what so i had to explain what racism was to him also and then i was like you know it's discriminating people based on like their skin like not being nice to them because of their skin but black people are like the the worst that treated because of racism like racists are the worst to black people Mm -hmm. and we're really lucky because like we came to the country where it wasn't that much of an issue and like we live in a town where it's not you know, as much of an issue because everybody in our town is like brown or black and very diverse or comes from mixed families or whatever. And so I was like, that's, you know, a terrible word that was used to um, talk about black people. And it, the people that used it would hurt black people and they didn't think of them as human and they treated them really poorly and mm-hmm. all this stuff, you know? And I was like, Martin Luther King wanted to make sure that people weren't called that. Cause I'm like using people that he understands, yeah. right? He understands pieces of the civil rights movement and stuff. And then I was like, and then there's another version of the word and it ends with an A. And that is a word that sometimes like they say in rap songs and he goes, Oh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> What do you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't ask, ask him to expand on it. I was just like, huh. And then I was like, that's a word that's used in music and you don't say it. And I was like, and black people will use it in music. 
or sometimes with each other, but it's a word that's only safe for black people and you never say it. Even if your friends are black, even though your best Mm -hmm. friend is black, you never, ever say it ever. And he was like, okay, got it. And I never said the actual word. I just spelled it for him. Mm -hmm. And I felt like just spelling it was enough to say, okay, like that should explain to him that it's such a bad word that even in this explanation, my mom is not saying the word. Yeah. That was it. And then he also asked me if he could grow out his hair and get it in braids this summer. And I was like, listen, because his best friend, Dylan, who's half black and half Puerto Rican, currently has his hair in braids. So I had to be like, listen, Dylan, I was like, there are people with different types of hair texture. Your hair is straight pretty much. So you don't need to get your hair into braids except for like fashion and fun. But like Dylan's hair is different than your hair. And for him in the summertime, it's easier for him and his mom to manage their hair with braids. So it's like when you do it, you're doing it just for fun. But Dylan's probably doing it from necessity. And sometimes even though you want to do something because you like it, for somebody like Dylan who has to do a thing from necessity, maybe he might look at it like, that's not cool. Aiden's just copying me, but he doesn't actually need to do it. Right. And I was like, Mm -hmm. and to get your hair put into braids is like kind of a painful thing. So like Dylan has to go through this painful thing to manage his hair a certain way. You don't have to do that. So I wouldn't do it if you didn't have to. Who's like, oh, it's painful. I don't want to do it. I was like, okay, that was, that's all I needed to say to him. But I tried to explain to him that like, you know, there's people that have braids, especially uh, black or like, you know, Afro Latino people or whatever, like that we're talking about a hair texture here. It's not just like a fashion statement. Like you don't just Mm -hmm. get to do it because it's fun. So he was like, oh, okay. And then I was asking like, do you have any follow-up questions? And he just kind of mostly seems like he's done talking to me. (laughs) Well, he's like, she keeps saying no to everything. First of all. (laughs) My mom sucks. Yeah. I can't (laughs) approach anything with this broad. Wouldn't it be amazing if he starts calling you abroad? Um, well, I would know where he gets it from. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, you know, the fact that I don't know, I don't know how to, I don't know how to to talk about it. Like, I think about us, right, when we were kids in like mm-hmm. the late '90s, right, mm-hmm. and then when we were like young adults in like mm-hmm. the mid 2000s and stuff like that, being brown people. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how we interacted with black culture, mm-hmm. you know, for a long time, like I would rap uh, like along with the N word. Right. And I wouldn't think twice about it. We used to listen to Eddie Murphy and and uh, Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock and we memorized their sets and we would, we would recite them it. to each other. All of yeah. it, not blocking yeah. any words that we're not supposed to be saying. Exactly. Yeah. And. It's, you know, I think it's, I don't know if you describe this as hard work, right? I'm sure as a parent, having these conversations, like finding like the complexities of like race relations on top of just how hard it is to be a parent is really difficult, but it's still a great thing. And you know that, right? You know that him asking you is an awesome thing. And you having a conversation is an awesome thing because there are not to throw people under the bus. Right. But there is an easier way to parent than that. Well, yeah, the way that, yeah, the way to, the easier way to parent is just to shut it down and say, we're not talking about it. Like, you know, don't do it. 
or just repeat it or just say it. Or just you know, say it, don't say, yeah, exactly. Or don't, oh, well, you know, people are going to roll their eyes, but don't say it in front of people, but you could say it when you're with me. Exactly. That kind of stuff. It, because it normalizes it, right? Like I've learned like in the nine years of me being a parent, the only way that my kid is actually going to do the thing that I want him to do is if I lead by example. Like my one of my husband and I's biggest gripes is the fact that neither of our kids speak any Urdu. Like mm-hmm. Aiden understands it. Noah pretends that he doesn't understand it. I think he under, only understands when somebody's complaining about him. But like our kids don't speak any Urdu. And we get really upset about it because like they have grandparents that they live with. And how do they not? But ultimately, I know that it's on me and Fahad because Fahad and I talk to each other in English. We don't talk to our kids in Urdu. So why are they going to speak a language that like, again, like we t- I talk about speaking a language that our parents didn't speak or weren't spoken to. Like, I always talk about that with like emotional shit, but like even just literal language, like my kids mm-hmm. don't speak Urdu because I don't speak to them in Urdu. That's it. So I translate that then to like, I, I put that on everything else. My kids are not going to be inclusive to other groups or other types of people if I'm not inclusive to other types of people. If I, it, like, um, I I um, hung out, like, two weeks ago at the Watch a Crappen show with this wonderful uh, friend I've made at the podcast named Corinne Flax, and she was talking about how inclusivity is something everybody believes that they are until it's actually put to the test. It's very easy yep. to say – Oh, I'm inclusive. I'm nice to everybody. I'm good to everybody. But if you, even if it's not a conscious decision, even if it's not an active exclusion that you're doing, if you only create a group of people that look like you or are around people that look like you and believe in the same things as you, you're never actually going to have that inclusivity put to the test. Of course, it, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I would never be mean to a gay person. I would never be mean to a black person. I would never be mean to a trans person. But if you never actually interact with them and you create a life where you're never going to interact with them, th- then sure, pie in the sky, of course. But that's the thing. Like our kids, my kids know that like we, you know, are friends with all kinds of people. It doesn't matter. Like we, that's the only way that my kids are going to learn how to be around people that are not like them or to learn to be inclusive is if we're inclusive. Yeah. You know, I, I understand that um, in theory, like, I think that is the right way I deal with, you know, I have a lot of friends that are parents now Mm -hmm. that are Brown um, that, you know, when you talk to them, sometimes you you would just say, well, you are kind of mimicking white racist um, narratives, right? It's very obvious. And it's like, it's all under the guise of joking around and it's the mm-hmm. same thing, right? Like, Oh, you know, I would never actually say this. I'm just joking around. Mm-hmm. This is just a joke that I'm making or whatever. I don't know. I think, you know, the way that you described inclusivity, it is work. Like you have to go out of your way yeah. to be inclusive. I don't know how realistic that is for a lot of parents because being a parent is hard. Being an adult is hard. Yeah. You go to work and then, you know, you come back and then where's the time. Right. I think the least you can do in those environments is to have open conversations with your kids. And a lot of people don't want to have conversations with their kids. That's the one thing I've learned about, you know, guys that are parents is that a lot of them just would just, hey, I'm fucking tired. Here's a screen. Go fuck off. I don't want to talk to you or whatever. I I, I just don't want to. Which, by the way, I want to do 
80% of the time. I don't want to talk to my kids. But there are things that I think are important to me, right? I think also for a lot of those parents that don't want to have conversations with their kids, it's not as important to them because it's not something they feel so passionately about. Like everybody, like I know I'm a pain in the ass when it comes to like my like liberal, progressive, feminist, woke bullshit, right? Like (laughs) I am Shiv Roy, whatever Kendall says about Shiv Roy. Like I know that it can be annoying, but I do, I care about these things because I, I, cause I'm a marginalized person myself because I also know that my beliefs are not the same beliefs that like exist for most other Pakistani Muslim women in like my circles. Right. So to me, it's more important because I I care about it. I think for a lot of these parents, it's just not something they feel as passionately about. So it's just not something that they feel like they have to talk to their kids about. To them, they might value other things. Again, it comes down to like an ideological difference, right? Like our brother, for example, is a lot more religious than us. For (laughs) him, religion trumps pretty much everything else, right? Which I understand that's what he believes. So for him even, he always says things like, you know, I want to teach my kids that you should be kind to everybody. But of course, true faith means that you do X, Y, and Z. I never say that stuff to my kids, right? Because to me, that creates another boundary for my kids to like limit their inclusivity to certain people. And I don't want to do that because that's not, but for me, it's also because that's not as important. For him, that's important, whatever. Like, I think there's just a difference in, in, uh, what level, what is important to you as a parent? And and it's hard to be a parent. So I never want to like hold it against anyone because you're right. Nobody has a fucking time. Everybody has full-time jobs. I don't know a single household that's like just one parent working and the other one's doing nothing. Like there's a lot of work that goes into being a parent and I get it. So it is hard to be like, how do I raid raise good Muslims who do well at school and do a sport and play an instrument and, you know, all that shit. How do you do that? And follow pronouns as they're supposed to be. Yeah. Like for them, those things are important for them to then also add on the layer of like sexuality and gender and race and all those things. It's too much. And I think it's a lot of it is too much because those adults themselves have not come to terms with their own view in those spaces because they are not they're not around black people or gay people or trans people or anybody who's different than them no exactly man like you know i think about these guys and these women that we deal with right like i have the luxury of not having to worry about kids and i know that that's a luxury you know it's a real thing for a lot of people like the religious aspect of it is a real thing for a lot of people i mean in general you know, let's say even if you take religion out of it, right? LGBTQ rights, uh, trans rights, race rights, that is an active conversation for all Americans, right? Mm-hmm. All Americans that are living here should be having some version of that conversation. A lot of people are okay with the, you know, they're kind of evolved. It's not really, it's not really something that they have to think about anymore because they're like, what's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. When it comes to like race stuff, if you're going to be racist, fuck off. I'm done with you. If you're going to be a homophobe, fuck off. I'm done with you. Right. Mm -hmm. But for most Americans, like middle Americans, all that stuff. Right. These are active conversations. So when I think about brown people, you know, there's this added component of like 
eternal damnation that's been drilled into our heads since we, since yeah. we were kids, right? Yep. That is a very, very real thing. Like the guys that I talk about that, you know, we describe as terrible guys because by our standards, they are, right? A lot of times I'm like, how the fuck are, am I talking to you? How are you a person? Like, how are you mimicking this Republican bullshit? Yeah. Like, how do you not realize? How do you, how do you, it's so fucking transparent, right? But, you know, in their own ways, I think like they're, they're trying to have a conversation. It's just not up to my level in terms of like, I don't think that they're trying hard enough, right? Which is probably unfair of me to say, because I'm not a parent, you know, I I can go to sleep at 1am and wake up at 9pm and it's or 9am and it's not a problem, right? A lot of them have other responsibilities or whatever. But, you know, I, I think what it has to do with a lot of times is like you said, I think brown people have to kind of mature um we have to have like this expedited maturation especially because and i think it's probably different for this generation but the generation that we were growing up in like you were expected to get married in your 20s right yep Yep. like that's just what was supposed to happen and then you start a family and then you basically you're just an adult and you don't have time to think about okay, how do I actually feel about sexuality? Like yep. all you've been told is that, hey, you aren't supposed to marry a woman if you're a dude. Yep. And that's yep. it. You're just supposed to have kids, right? In all that, how do you kind of make sense of homosexuality? Like at best, the way that you look at it, if you don't actually kind of work it through, it's just, okay, you know what? Everybody's open to make their own choice to do whatever. It's yep. not me. It doesn't gel with my understanding of islam but if somebody wants to be gay they're not hurting me that's like a good you know what we would say is like a good person and you know the thing is like that's how i was for a really long time like i had to you know i've had the luxury of time to kind of think through a lot of these things and there's there's a lot of stuff that i'm still working through there's there's things that you know i used to think three or four years ago that i think are just fucking stupid at this point And it's because I've had time, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I just wish that those people could realize that you are allowed to evolve, right? And and it may be like, it's funny that we're talking about this. One of the groups that I'm in with a lot of these guys just sent me a link about like, like these Islamic scholars in Mm -hmm. North America, a lot of them, right? They put out like this statement about how to deal with LGBTQ, how to deal Uh with trans rights and all this other stuff. Right. And it's like the most like professorial, well-worded academic statement Uh underneath it all is homophobia. That's what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you know, we understand we don't want to judge other people, but it is absolutely not welcome in Islam. Right. Yeah, that is. And they are, you know, they're like, this is we have to be careful about not kind of letting it infect Islam in a certain way. Right. And that is so upsetting. Right. And then you also think about, well, okay, do I if if I if I don't believe this, if I don't believe this statement, does that make me a bad Muslim? Because I don't want to make me Muslim. Muslim. Yeah, exactly. Does it strip away my 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 identity as a Muslim if I don't believe that? Right. Exactly. And. I'm lucky enough to be at a point now where I like being a part of a Muslim community. I like that I have a mosque that I can go to and pray 
you know, on Fridays and play basketball on Wednesdays, which is actually the more important thing. Um, but if I was, if those doors were closed to me, right, would I be heard about it? Sure, maybe. But I also know that I don't need those doors open to me to believe in God. Like the God yeah. that I believe in understands that I have gone through, like I'm not doing anything out of spite of God. I'm, I'm doing it like these two things are parallel for me. I, I feel like me being supportive of somebody who is a homosexual or somebody that's trans or non-binary or whatever, with the exact same vigor that I believe in Islam is okay. It's okay for yep. me. I've dealt with it, right? So yep. it's dealing with all that. For parents, a lot of times, like, you know, these parents, they, you, you have these religious schools open to you, right? Or like these religious communities open to you. And it's a nice way to raise your kids because it is kind of like having, like having uh, God there as like this 24 by seven babysitter who yeah. tells your kids what's right and wrong is kind of yeah. easy, but you also yeah. get to have, you know, they also get to have like friends that are the same mm-hmm. and they get to play sports. And it's not just all, it's not just all, you know, purely out of hatred, right? There is a yeah. sense of community, but it's complicated. Yeah. So it's, it's a tough conversation. Um, I would just tell anybody who is the way that I look at it is that, I would just try to put myself in somebody else's shoes. Like if you are attracted to somebody who is the same gender as you, or, you know, I take it back the way that you feel about your spouse, the way that you Mm -hmm. feel about your partner, like the sincerity with which that you believe in that love or how real it feels to you. If somebody has those feelings about somebody who uh, was the same gender or somebody that it doesn't make sense to you, that doesn't disqualify their love at all, right? Yeah. Like, that's the only way to think about it. Like, yes. that love is as real as your love is. And that's all you should do. Yeah. I, You know, I think I've told the story before about, like, how Noah asked me how two boys have a baby. And then I was like, well, let's teach you about adoption, right? <laughs> yeah. And like he was like, oh, it's wonderful that they take care of kids that like nobody wants to take care of or nobody can take care of. And I was like, yep, that's it. That's like that was the end of the conversation. Even like so Aiden said, do you know that Chris from Mr. Beast is now a girl? And I was like, Mm -hmm. "Uh uh-huh. And he was like, I was like, what do you think about that? And he was like, well, I think it's a little bit weird. And I was like, why is it weird? And he goes, well, because Chris was my favorite. And now I don't think that Chris can be my favorite anymore. I was like, well, why not? He was like, well, I don't want a girl to be my favorite. I was like, well, that's a different conversation. I was like, well, <laughs> I was like, but the things about Chris that were your favorite had nothing to do with him being a boy, right? About Chris being a boy. I was like, it was just who Chris is. Chris's personality didn't change because Chris mm-hmm. now wears dresses or Chris wants to be called she. Chris, apparently, Chris, I think his last name is Taylor. Chris's pronouns are everything. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't think Chris has a particular like ask from that side. But when I said I when I was talking to him, I was like, oh, I think you should call Chris G. 
instead of he, right? And mm-hmm. he kind of struggled with it a little bit. Aiden struggled a little bit, but Noah was immediately like, oh yeah, she's a girl now. Like she, so it's funny to like hear the six-year-old be like more receptive to just like being like, oh, that's what that person mm-hmm. wants to be called. All right, cool, yeah. done. Let's move on, right? Whereas Aiden was struggling with it a little bit, but then I was just like, well, you have friends that are girls that are cool. And like, you like this person that's a girl and I'm a girl and I'm pretty cool. And he's like, okay, you're right. And then like, that was it, right? And then I was like, is Mr. B still friends with Chris? And he was like, yes. And I was like, so obviously it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what that person is, whatever, right? He was like, okay, cool. And like, that was it. That was the end of the conversation. It didn't have to go into this is right or this is wrong. And I know that they're doing that, but you shouldn't. Once we start saying that stuff to our kids, right, of being like, this person is doing X, Y, and Z, and you should be nice to them, but you should never, ever do it because it's wrong. That's where shit gets fucking murky and confusing yeah. for kids. That's mm-hmm. when kids start getting like envious even or irritated with the fact that somebody else gets to do something that is wrong and I don't get to, right? Like that's yeah. what I don't ever want to tell my kids is like, is that something you want to do? No. Then who cares? Then like let them live. Are they hurting you? No then let them live, right? Just be nice to them. It doesn't matter. And like, those are the kind of conversations, like even him asking me about the F word slur, right? He was like, what is that? And apparently he learned it from a corn song, which he wasn't allowed to listen to. <laughs> but he he's like, I didn't listen to it because Apple Music won't let me listen to it, but I read all the lyrics. I was like, what? That's Jesus. what are you doing? <laughs> So then I was like, well, it's a bad slur. And I was like, you know, if you were to say it to like Kirk and Ella's moms, like they would get really mad or like it would be really hurtful to them. And you know how the same way we don't say that's gay or that's so gay or you're so gay. Like we don't use that in our house. Like I've heard his friend, not his his friend, but somebody he knows say it. And we talked about it. And like I was like, it's the same thing. It's offensive. It's hurtful to people who like people who are the same gender as them. It's really not nice. And he was like, okay, fine. And I and I did say to him, I'm proud of you for asking us instead of just using it. That's like another thing that we've told our kids is if you don't know something, if you don't understand something, don't say it. And definitely don't ask your friends because if you don't know it, your friends are probably going to tell you the wrong thing. Yeah. Like currently the thing in elementary school, which is shocking, is 69 they don't know what it means. Well, but it makes the kids me loved, Yeah, the kids loved, <laughs> like they were counting their money from Eve, and Noah has. Don't rob my kids. Noah has four hundred and sixty nine dollars. You know, I just paid a lot for a house that I didn't use. <laughs> so, so when I counted, I was like, "Oh, Noah, your total is four hundred sixty nine. Noah goes, "Ayo, sixty nine. I was like, "Do you know what that means?" And he was like, no. And then now, like, if the weather is 69 or anything, Aiden would be like, I don't want to look at it. I'm like, why? <laughs> it's just a number. Stop being weird. And I was like, do you even know what it means? And he goes, I don't know. I just know that it's, like, sus and cringe. I was like, okay. <laughs> it is sus and cringe. <laughs> the, their minds would blow, oh, my God, if they actually uh, Listen, not- I don't. Yeah, no, I can't. No. But – it's like eventually I told him, I was like, listen, you're going to hear stuff from your friends and they're probably going to tell you things. And if you think that it doesn't sound right, you should tell me because it's probably not right. They probably don't know what they're talking about, right? Like they've, they've asked me all kinds of things like that. Like, you know, I let Aiden sit in the front seat now because he's nine. 
like only for like local trips, like not whenever on the highway, just because like he wants to sit in the front and control the music or whatever. And he was like, Mama, do you know that I can get arrested? <laughs> I can get arrested if I sit in the front seat. I was like, well, who told you that? And he was like, Kylie said that if you sit in the front seat, you could get arrested. I was like, that's not Fucking true. Kylie. <laughs> Kylie is lovely, by the way. Kylie. I'm sorry, Kylie. <laughs> Kylie, if you're listening. <laughs> She's nine. Anyway. <laughs> but I was like, you know, like, just because you hear it at school doesn't mean it's true. Just because you see it on YouTube doesn't mean it's true. Like, always be okay to talk to me about it. Um, yeah, it's just parenting is wild, man. It's really you know, wild. It's a lot you, of work. As you say that, right? Okay, just like, you know, your kids are, if if your kids come to you and you're like, hey, you know, you probably want to get a better source than just your friends because your friends are also nine and dumb. Yeah, they're idiots. It's funny how much of that is true as adults, too. Right? Yes. Like you have to be very, very careful about this. So it's like I've been thinking a lot about like trans rights, right? Because it's mm -hmm. what's in the news, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, one of like the biggest things that happened to me just personally in like the last six months is I came to this realization that I've been going around and like, you know, I've been like vocally for like, hey, if, if for pro trans rights, right? Very, mm -hmm. very vocally, right? Mm -hmm. And I was treating it almost as like this rebellious type of stance, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was like, oh, I'm going to be defiant. You know, I say drag queens. I say let your freak flag fly and all this other yeah, stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I realized that I was in while I was doing that, I was also making a cartoon out of it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And one of the things that I was like, you know, I keep saying stuff like it is a person's choice to represent themselves the way that they are. And I keep like keep I keep harping on the word choice, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing that I realized is I was like, it is so not a choice. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It is who the person is. So mm -hmm. the more I keep repeating that, like the more I keep dimin diminishing somebody who is going through a transition as a person. I'm just looking yep. at them as this trans person, which is like almost a like a different thing that should be like you know, if I'm if I'm like a good person, I should marvel at it. People don't want to be marveled at. People they just, just want to live. live, right? Yes. And yes. that's the thing, right? It's like I go back and I think about like bathroom bills when they were first introduced like 10 years ago or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And it was like, well, you know, I can kind of see like the argument on the other side, what I want. And it's like, bitch, like people want to go to the bathroom to pee. It is like the most vulnerable <laughs> yes. thing that you can do. Like I sometimes I go and stand at a urinal and if there's like a dude, two urinals down, I can't go because I get stage fright. Right. Like I need to be comfortable. People are <laughs> yeah. just trying to fucking live. Right. And there's yeah. things, you know, to be completely transparent, there's things about the trans conversation that I am still learning. There are things mm -hmm. when it comes to like, when it comes to like, um, you know, trans uh, people and sports, right? That is a mm -hmm. very active conversation. And the one thing that I've realized for myself is that I don't know if I found the answers. Like, I definitely haven't found the answers, right? When I think about sports, there is a component, a big component of sports is competition and fairness and da 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 da, right? Mm -hmm. So that is in my mind, right? What I can do while I'm trying to figure this stuff out is to stay away from shitty sources from yep. shitty takes because there are a shit ton of shitty takes right mm -hmm. and i've come to a point now where you can recognize them like it's like if i'm 
listening to somebody talk about trans people in sports and if they start talking about like, well, how would you like it if some dude puts a wig on and beats up a woman in, in the UFC, right? Like right away, you know that that person is not, well, that person may think that they're serious, but, but they're, they are not treating the human being with yep. any seriousness, right? Because yep. motherfucker, it's not a dude, it's a person. It's yep. a person going through something much more complicated than just wanting to play a sport, right? So yep. the very least I can do is not listen to those sources. So I'm, you know, I'm looking out for sources that make more sense. Unfortunately, you're not going to find those sources on social media, which is no. the reason why I'm not on social media. Oh, okay. Um, yes, yes, of course. Of course, you know, I'm a highly evolved person. <laughs> but, you know, the least you can do is if you're having, if you're looking into something like that, right? It's just have a little bit of grace, have a little bit of compassion. And if you don't, you can fuck off. So yeah. that's the way to stuff. Yeah, I, I think like you brought up a great point, which is like, we're always like, oh, it's somebody's choice. You have to respect other people's choices, whatever. I think ultimately it's not about us respecting us, uh, respecting other people's choices. It's us ourselves making a choice to be kind to someone. Like yeah. it, it doesn't matter whether the other person, whatever they're doing is a choice or something they believe. What Like I don't give a fuck what somebody else is doing with their body as long as they're not harming me. It literally mm -hmm. does nothing to me, right? Yep. Like this idea that like – because I also – I remember talking – this is like five years ago when we were in the hospital with Aiden. One of – um there was this really great – like it was like a – he was like a pastor. Like a – he's like a children's pastor in the hospital and they, they're available for like counseling or whatever, but they're not just mm -hmm. for Christians. It's for anybody who wants to talk. So he used to talk a lot. We, you know, used to talk a lot, Matt and Matt is a gay man and he's a man of faith. And, you know, we would talk a lot about sort of the complexity with that and how he deals with it. And then he has a trans sister. And so I talked to him quite a bit about that. And one of the things I asked was like, well, you know, like for Muslim women, we cover our hair around men and then we like if you wear a hijab like you're covering your hair around a, a man uh, versus mm -hmm. a woman and if you know a girl is in a hijabi is in the bathroom and a trans woman comes in and she takes off her hijab like then it gets murky because like religiously that's a this and that and he kind of just looked at me he was like man we're they're not trying to trick you <laughs> like the per he was like they're not trying to like you know, get into the ladies' room to see some hijabi's hair. Like, they're just fucking trying to go to the bathroom. Like, that becomes your choice as a woman who wears hijab to remove your hijab or not. If you, for some reason, think that you shouldn't be showing your hair to somebody who you think might be a man, then don't yeah. fucking show your hair to somebody who you think yeah. might be a man. Even exactly. though if that, if your, if your beliefs, if your ideology tells you that even if a person is a trans woman, they're not a woman to you, and that's the way you want to conduct yourself, and the way that you want to react is not take off your hijab, then no harm, no foul. Nobody's doing anything. Okay, fine. Like, you're not offending mm -hmm. that person. You're not, it's your choices, right? Like, everybody... But he was like, it was so good. He was, when he said that, he was like, they're not trying to trick you. Like, I realized that so much of the narrative that I had been fed at that point was that there's like this like sinister, like hidden agenda of yeah. like, what are they doing? And like, you can't trust them. And like, what? It's none of that. It's none of it. It's just how a person wants to feel most comfortably themselves. 
and that's yep. that's it that's that's all yeah. it is so yeah speaking of uh non-binary uh tough conversations include uh involving uh, non-binary people yeah i watched the flash yesterday with your oh. husband oh yes yes that's right yes Please let's talk about it. You got to. We can't talk about it because we, there's there's a lot of a lot of spoilers. I will okay, say we can't talk about the movie itself. But did you like the movie? It was amazing. It's okay. one of the best comic book movies I've ever seen. And I'll say this: Ezra Miller, they are a piece of shit, but boy, are they talented! <laughs> they are so good. I felt your husband and I were walking. Your husband and I were walking out. And he was like, I don't know if we can say this, but Ezra Miller's amazing. Because they are. So good. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's a doozy with the Ezra Miller. I'm like, Ezra Miller might be human trafficking people. We're not sure what they're up to. They have choked a fan in the yep. streets of New York on camera. Yep. Right? Like, it's terrifying. And then WB or whoever is like, no, they're in therapy. We got it. We got it. Don't just go to the movie. I know it's complicated because I've only seen the uh, role of like them playing the role of Flash in other movies. And then I've seen them in Fantastic Beasts. Also in Fantastic Beasts. Love them. But guess what? I didn't watch the the Fantastic Beasts they made with Johnny Depp. I was like, I'm not fucking watching this. Fuck this mm-hmm. shit, right? Yeah. I did not watch it. But here I am, Ezra Miller, also Batman, one of my favorites, right? Stupid ass husband of mine, but also yeah. growing up, Michael Keaton, favorite Batman. So like, it's very complicated. But yeah, I heard that he, Fahad also said that they are uh, incredible. They're- they are. They're, they're a trash bag of a human being, but also <laughs> one of the most talented comic book actors I've ever seen. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. All right. Well. Um, do you want to talk about Succession? Okay. This episode of Succession, I feel like every week I watch it and I'm like, this is this is the best episode of the season. Yep. Oh my god, this episode was so good. Now, is funeral episode. You um I don't know if everybody knows this about you, but you have been planning your funeral for years. Oh, decades at this point. Yeah. Yeah. When you watched the funeral, did you take any tips from it for your own funeral? <laughs> well, most of it was inside the cathedral, right? I don't know yeah. if we can have anything. So really, it wasn't the funeral. It was the reception afterwards, I think, is what I'm going to focus on. Although mm-hmm. in my own funeral, as you know, yeah. I would like there to be a dance number involving my <laughs> casket. <laughs> I'd like to be rolled out in some capacity. I don't know exactly what, but... Uh, what was the song? Kelly Ocho. Kelly Ocho, I know. <laughs> Is that the one that goes da 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 da? No, that's not it. No, no. Well, that is racist. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. I don't know which one is Kelly Ocho. Now I forget. Now I'm on the spot and I forgot. Oh Ooh, no! Those race. No, that's not it. Anyways, um, we may <laughs> maybe we'll switch it out. I, I also like Sunny Gully because that always brings. <laughs> The party at a at a wedding. Yeah. And, you know, I want the Braveheart for Love of the Princess during the montage. Yeah, of course. I know you've Black and white pictures a million times. Now, much like uh, the wheelers in um, in Logan Roy's funeral, yeah. would you have wheelers in mind for your own funeral? 
Uh, not really wheelers, but if you recall that gif of uh, the African funeral procession from like two years ago, that's yeah. what I want. Of people dancing with it. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, how quickly, how early in this episode did you realize, oh, Roman's going to lose his mind later today? I mean, first of all, Karen Culkin is so good. I don't even know what to say. Like, like to go from where he starts off the episode where he's, like, practicing the thing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he's being, like, an asshole to Shiv when she tells him that, you know, she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're, like, fucking Roman, this is exhausting. And it's, like, so transparent that you're trying to be funny, but it's really not funny. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to do it. Like, I, I just, I'm, I'm sick of you, right? And then, like. It's the weirdest thing. Like when he starts to cry, your heart breaks and you're like, this is a piece of shit. Like how is, you know, he's like almost like completely all in, right? There's like Mm -hmm. nothing underneath it. So like, of course that's going to crumble under any sort of any, any sort of realness, right? Like Mm -hmm. when you, you know, you can talk about how, how I've pre-grieved and all this other stuff. That is until you are confronted with the body of your father in a castle, yeah. right? You're gonna fall apart. So I was hoping initially that it wasn't gonna happen. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe the the speech that he was making, you know, yeah. in in his bedroom and stuff. It's yeah. a very interesting speech. I think in the moment I was thinking about Donald Trump, right? Yeah. Because it's like he's talking about how great a man uh, Logan Roy was, yeah. and it's like, yeah, you can. You can call somebody great by that metric if you want to, right? Yeah. Like somebody like Donald Trump, a complete trash bag of a human being, the worst type of person in the world. You can't turn your eye to the fact that this failed real estate guy turned into the most powerful man in the world. Like there is, I don't know if you describe that as greatness. I don't describe it as greatness because... I think to be a great person, you have to be open to other things, right? You have to be open to other things. Yeah, I, 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 I call it a flaw in the system that allows mm-hmm. somebody like that to be considered what they are today. Like, I, I think yeah. that that, I, I don't think that, that equates to his greatness. I think that equates to the amount of corruption there is in the system. But yes. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about Roman because Roman at this point, there's one episode left. Roman is out of the running. Right. He yeah. is not going to be He's, successful. He is out of the running to be America's next top successor of Waystar Royal. Successor. He's done. And it's a shame because I was thinking about it. He was almost there. There were there were parts during the show's run where Roman would have made like a capable CEO. Like and the sad thing is is that, you know, he lost his mentor, which he always thought was his dad, but really it was Jerry. Jerry was the yeah. reason why he was on the path of doing something great and then his own ego or his own fucking whatever you want to call it, his misogyny or whatever, just wouldn't allow it. Like he yeah. just didn't understand like why he had to like be respectful of Jerry or listen to anybody. So in that, in that sense, he is, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't call him a tragic character because he's still a piece of shit through and through, yeah. but I don't know. You know, it just in general, I was thinking this is a show that made me think the most about who I'm rooting for and what I'm rooting for than any other show. Like, I like The Sopranos, right? Mm -hmm. Tony Soprano is 
hands down a bad person. Yeah, but bad, it's bad so bad guy, not not good guy. <laughs> but it is so easy to root for him. Like you are always rooting for Tony Soprano. Same thing mm-hmm. with Don Draper. You're always going to be rooting for him. In this show, I change who I'm rooting for and what I'm rooting for, kind of on a weekly basis. And yeah. it is because it is complicated. Like I think, and and I think it's very much intentional. You know where they tell you that hey this is a family show you know there's like a family dynamic there's a business dynamic or whatever but they don't kind of let you off the hook because at the end of the day they're all monsters in their own way even Shiv Mm -hmm. who I'm actively rooting for now is only a faux progressive right she's not really progressive when it comes time to it she's ready to make a deal with Mencken because that's what she wants yeah yeah that was exactly like she um with Roman, I think that the minute I I knew when he was practicing practicing his speech and he said uh, something like, um, you know, you all remember my father, and maybe you might say like I look like him or like a or like I resemble him. Doesn't don't I remind you of the great man that he was? Like he's really he really is cosplaying as Daddy, and like he's. Yeah. It's just so sad. And then by the end of the episode where he's literally getting the shit beat out of him so that he could feel something is Mm -hmm. fucking tragic. It was. But Kieran Culkin, like when he says, is he in there? Can you get him out? The voice that comes out like it was very it was very um, my girl, which was the movie that his brother was in. You know, so like I, I get it. It was just, oh God, it was so tragic. Um, but even just like seeing the siblings, whenever their siblings come together for each other, it always makes me happy. When the siblings fight with each other, like last episode, what broke my heart was seeing Shiv like begging her brothers to listen to her, and they weren't like that. Really broke my heart. But then this episode to see them like all com- like comforting each other in the moments of distress, but then also at the same time reveling on each other's failures to some degree like you know shiv uh like there is kendall is thrilled that roman fucked up he's like you fucked it like he's really happy that he fucked it and um i saw this tweet that said like every episode you see the parent the kids ever since he's died ever since logan has died you see each one of the kids take on one of logan's personalities like the worst Mm -hmm. parts of logan you see it happening to all of them right like the misogyny of roman or like just how uh how phony shiv is being right the the way that she's happy to throw away her beliefs just Mm -hmm. to just to get ahead or even like uh kendall you know stomping at the fact that his brother is a wuss essentially like you see i think there was a couple of scenes where like roman and kendall are sitting right next to each other and you see uncle ewan in the back and you see him staring at them and i think like it is that the thing they do that on purpose is sort of remind you of like that dynamic between brothers and how you know kendall is very happy to get ahead if his brother is down and out. Yeah. It actually benefits him. So that was really interesting. Um uh with uh the my favorite part of this episode was obviously the front row of Logan Roy's ladies. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that the actress who played like Kellyanne or whatever her name was, Stacy Ann? The actress mm-hmm. that played Stacy Ann, who was uh, Shiv and Roman and Kendall's mom's Carrie. 
Um, that is actually um, Brian Cox's real life wife. Oh, really? Wait, yeah. you told me she's Iranian. Yeah. Or Persian. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved it. I loved, and then when they all sit together and Carrie, uh, what's it called? They make a joke about how he grinds his teeth at night, and they're all like, "Ha lol." And then um, Carrie kind of holds, uh, what's her name? Actually, Marsha holds Carrie's hands, and Carrie starts yeah. crying. I was like, "My lovely. Crying. <laughs> right, what's wrong with me?" <laughs> Somebody yeah. said it's it's a it's a great it's a great time for side chicks between like that. And then, you know, Camilla being queen and then also yeah. Raquel from Vanderpump Rules. Like, they're like oh, okay, it's a- good. Yeah. No, no. She belongs in that group, of course. Again, <laughs> fucking Vanderpump Rules every week. Uh, you know what's interesting about Vanderpump Rules, just a side note, is that officially it is time now where now people are turning on Ariana. Like, I was like, this is going to happen. This will happen. Where everybody is like anti Tom and Raquel, and now people are like, "Well, now I'm mad at Ariana for having too good a time." Like yeah. Ariana is too successful now. Now we're going to be mad at her for being like too successful off of this. I'm like, exactly, you know, that's what happens. The internet is the worst. Um, these deals that are being made, um, whatever, whatever. But what did you think about this scene between Tom and Shiv? Where are they back together? What is going on between them? What's what's the deal? I'm kind of uh, exhausted with that thing. Like after last week's episode mm-hmm. with like the horrible, well, not last week's, the week before, but the week before and last week's. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Like, what do I want? Like, are they, do I want them to be together? Do I really care? Like, they're both I don't know. I think within that relationship, I think Tom is probably the worst person. I don't know. Um, But, you know, sure, if they want to raise a kid, sure, I guess raise a kid. But it does seem like going into next week, the finale, at the very least, they have an alliance, right? Yeah. Like, Tom is team Shiv. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. Is he? Isn't he? I can't tell. I can't I trust what do you what do you hope happens there? I think unfortunately what is gonna happen is Kendra Roy is gonna be on top. I think that's just you know happen. I think I don't, I don't imagine this to be a show where we put the bow on top, the company gets sold to Gojo, and then we have a lady on top. Like, I don't believe that that's, like, I don't think that's going to happen because that's not the world we live in. We live in a deeply misogynistic, patriarchal world that wants to make sure that men are always on top. So I feel like this yeah. show is going to end that way. And you know what's sad is that as I'm watching it as a viewer, I'm actually realizing that, like, how I'm receiving the show is kind of tainted by that too. So, yeah. like, you know, as I was watching it and Kendall goes up, like I've seen at this point, by the time that Kendall goes up to give a speech, right? I've mm-hmm. seen him be a shit to Rava, right? Mm-hmm. Like not understand the fact that she is worried about their children. Mm-hmm. I've seen him be a shit to, um, what's the name of his assistant? Um, Jess? Oh God, that Jess, scene. Right? Just the worst. Like Jess did not want to have a conversation. You forced her into a conversation and then you said nice timing. And like, yeah. you should be thankful. Fucking asshole, right? Yeah. And then he goes up and he gives that speech about his dad, which is completely kind of, you know, he says stuff like, oh, he was a beast or whatever, but it's still like this great, like triumphant speech, right? Yeah. And he gets applause for it. Like people are like, wow, what a moment. He really yeah. lived up. He's really taking on his dad's legacy. 
And then Shiv goes up and Shiv says what she wants to say. And the first, I've watched the episode twice, right? Yeah. The first time that I watched it, I was like annoyed at Shiv. I was like, the Shiv is just using this moment to like, you know, make, uh, to, to kind of throw her hat into the ring as mm-hmm. being a leader, as being mm-hmm. somebody who can lead Waystar or whatever, right? Then I watched it again and I was like, well, like in that moment as a daughter and as a woman who's had to deal with these types of people and this type of environment, right? She is saying something uncomfortable that should make the fucking people in that room uncomfortable. I didn't like the fact that it was uncomfortable, right? I didn't like the fact that, hey, we're just coming off of this high that Kendall gave the speech and everybody's cheering. And now you're dampening the mood at this this funeral. But it's like, bitch, like, that is exactly what Logan Roy deserves. Logan Roy deserves awkward moments at his funeral because he was a beast. He was a terrible human being, especially to women, right? Yeah, yeah. So as I'm watching this stuff, I'm like, well, that's part of the experience is like, okay, come in and like, you have to kind of deal with your own misogyny. So it's been really cool, man. It's been just a lot of fun to watch this show. I'm going to, now I'm going to miss it. I know. I'm going to miss it too. I got to catch up on Barry. I only watched one episode of Barry. I hear it's very good. It's Um, insane. uh, Would, between the two of us, don't you think that I would be the one to give a, a funeral speech like you and did? Oh yeah, <laughs> we were gonna have some hard truths at this uh, at the funeral speech, and you're like, "Wait, what?" Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it'd be yeah. very awkward. Yeah, I would try to do the. I'd probably do. I don't know. I'd probably in my head do like the Roman speech, and then mm-hmm. I'd fall apart immediately. 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 Yeah, you cried at your birthday. Um, uh- I should have done the practice. <laughs> <laughs> and something, something, something. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that that would be the case. And I think that you guys would, if I, if and when I die, um, mm-hmm. if I die, mm-hmm. as if I'm what immortal. If I die succubus. You, <laughs> if I die before you, I feel like again, you guys would give a very nice speech, but mostly out of fear. You're like, this bitch is gonna haunt us. Yeah, she'd walk out. You, I wake up. Walk. I'd wake up out of my coffin. And I'd say, "Fuck you guys." And that That's very it. hurtful, by the way. I, you know, I would give a very sincere and genuine speech at your funeral, and I look forward to it. <laughs> if you can give me some dates and timings, that would be great, <laughs> so I could prepare make myself. Sure you, make sure you make a spread before you go, so that I'm reminded of your hard work before you die. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and also, like you know, just if you have some pictures for the PowerPoint that you really wish are going to be there, just let me know now. I'll do it before I die. Yeah. I'll do it on my deathbed. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, well, that's it for this episode. I will be back later this week to talk about all this stuff on Bravo. Um, any other final thoughts, Rahil? No final thoughts. Uh, thank you again for my birthday weekend. I really appreciate it. I can't believe. I don't know how I got the coolest, funniest sister in the world. <laughs>